everyone, welcome back to another episode of Spark Your Fire.、Um, it's our Friday wrap segment again. As always, the Friday feeling, you can't beat that. Look at how happy John is today with me. <laughs> how are you, John? I'm well,、uh, well David.、Uh, how are you doing? I'm very good, very good. Thank you.、Um, like again, I, I think you know, we are seeing, I don't know, I don't even know how to describe this now in terms of. The, the, the big property market that we're seeing. Obviously, you know, there's little markets and very specific around, but um, yeah, the, um, um, it's just, a, it, I have to say, it's just a fascinating time to be alive, to be able to see all these different,、mm. different mm. things that's happening, whether that's, you know, RBA looking at restructuring and changing, which I know they're following the central banks around the rest of the world and US, that's for sure,、um, to, you know, days on market reducing. Um, to our actual observations on the ground, and you know, from the the inquiries that we're getting from our businesses,、so、there's just so many things to cover.、Yeah. Um, and I thought, you know, I think we'll we'll keep today's we'll keep today's our chat、uh, a bit conversational in terms of what we're seeing at the moment on the、uh, general property market. I mean, in that sense, we we focus on different areas ourselves.、Um, but yeah, look,、um, I think to kick it off.、Um, We've been chatting offline that our businesses actually has. I mean, we've been seeing inquiries coming through.、Uh, I've had a pretty strong March and April at the moment.、Um, I, I'm very small business, of course, so can't represent everyone. But in terms of what I'm seeing, you know, the inquiry levels definitely have picked up.、Uh, people are looking to refinance. People are still looking to be able to release equity. People are still looking to buy, upgrade, and、mm-hmm. a lot more people looking at. Looking at getting back into purchasing another investment property again. Okay, so、um, yeah, so so it's a it's actually a quite a mix. Whereas I would say three four months ago, investor market is pretty dead. Like literally, no one is thinking、mm. and considering.、Um, you know, like even if they can, they they're like, oh, we want to be conservative because we don't know when the market is potentially going to turn and 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 uptick again, right? Um, so and but I don't know how you're seeing at the moment, John. You being as a buyer's agent, I guess your inquiry、mm. levels must be starting to see over the roof now. Yeah, my inquiry levels、uh, really started、uh, popping in February.、Um, second half of last year was much quieter, so、mm. it's been a bit explosive actually so far this year, which is which has been great.、Yeah. Um, interestingly, I, I'm my buyers are largely. Owner occupiers. Owner occupier. Okay. Yeah, some first home buyers in there. Interestingly,、uh, not investors. Or you know,、okay. there, there's always sort of the investor owner occupier hybrid. But、uh, um, yes, so they're 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 owner occupiers.、Um, and what I'm seeing, so I'm definitely seeing it come back. I'm just seeing more people at inspections. I'm I'm in lines and I'm taking my shoes off on the Saturday inspections and those sorts of things.、Um, which I don't particularly like, but um, <laughs> but um, so. There's sort of broadly, so there's broadly sort of.、Um, I'm seeing houses really hard to buy at the moment.、Mm. I'm seeing the good stuff is very scarce.、Uh, I, I suppose sellers are holding on to their、um, better properties and selling the properties that they don't like, perhaps.、Um, but what I'm also hearing is the agents saying, "Look, now that there's the the, the kind of the proof is in that the real estate market's coming back." The the sellers are absolutely committed to holding off on selling until the end of the year when they know they can get、mm. let's say five six seven percent more.、Uh, so definitely, like the market coming back, particularly because we're in the early stages of a market recovery. I think the market bottomed let's say in November last year, and and here we are a couple of percent up.、Um, 
because there's confirmation that the market's coming back, it's it's almost entrenching that supply problem. So, but broadly speaking, what I'm hearing is, and what I'm seeing is, uh, units, townhouses, let's say townhouses, but units uh, are harder to sell, easier to buy. Mm-hmm. Houses are, you know, what's the opposite of that? Harder uh, to buy. Harder to buy, easier to sell. Um, they're selling houses within a within a week. Uh, I'm seeing them pop off, and uh, I'm trying to obviously get in earlier. But houses are houses are tough to buy, and units are easy to buy. That's uh, certainly what I'm seeing. Now that'll that'll change, and that, uh, an optimism in the market broadly will drift into units as well. But yep. um, I bought I bought a unit. I bought a townhouse this week. I'm still looking for some houses, and uh, the, the the my lead time on houses is much longer than my lead time mm. on units, which can be just a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And I think, and you're talking in, in in general. This is specifically for Sydney markets because you, I know, yeah, predominantly you operate in Sydney. Um, and I guess you know a lot of investors were looking at units in Sydney market because they were uh, much higher gross rental yield mm-hmm. uh, as they hold. Um, and as you can imagine, when the rate gets too high and it's tough to hold, as you said, you know they probably try to get rid of the investment properties first, and maybe yeah. the you know the um, um, the not so good ones within their mm-hmm. opinion um, at the moment. So maybe that's one of the reasons contributing to why there's a lot more units available at the moment um, for buyers to choose from. Whereas houses, mm-hmm. not as much. Yeah, it's easier to get. It's, it's funny because it's easier to get it wrong when buying a unit. Like there's a lot more variability in terms of units. Mm-hmm. Whereas buying a house, you know, if you've got, if you've got a reasonably symmetrical block, it's level. It's hard to get that wrong. I mean, even if you'll have, everyone has problems, you know, you'll have problems. There might be a leaky roof, but there's so much value in a, in a house that you can't go too far wrong over long periods of time in units. You can really screw that decision up. You can buy, uh, you know, something with the wrong aspect or the wrong layout or whatever it is. So there's a lot more, a lot more tripwires when it comes to buying a unit, in my opinion, believe it or not, even though it's only small. Mm. Um, and so I think that, you know, again, good units are selling quickly, bad units are, are not selling. And um, that's the dance of real estate. I mean, the thing that makes real estate exciting is that it's non-fungible. It's uh, no two properties are the same. So that's very you, true. you've got to use a lot of judgment. It's very hard to automate real estate as well, just <laughs> because of that. No, no. Yeah. No, you're absolutely spot on. Um, and from what I'm hearing as well, the auction clearance markets at the moment for Sydney has also also mm-hmm. started. You know, the trend is back on. Um, I think was it 77 preliminary clearance last yeah, Saturday. Right. Yeah. yeah, the numbers weren't. Uh, the number of properties sold though wasn't high or registered for. Um, yeah, auction wasn't high though from memory. It's creeping up. It was obviously it was it was lower than the previous year, higher than the previous week. The previous yeah. this weekend and the previous year was Easter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yep. I think that it's hard to compare, but um, okay. uh, the the clearance rates are creeping up. Um, anything over seventy percent is usually means prices are, are rising, and, and generally speaking, they've been over seventy percent every week this year, except for I think one weekend. Mm. So we're, we're definitely in a in a recovery mode. Seventy eight percent, which is where we are, is starting to get hot, and all the real estate agents I'm speaking to are saying the market's crazy, the market's hot. Uh, It'll probably level out and settle down, but I think there's a real sense of FOMO right now that, oh, damn it, I've missed the bottom. You shouldn't. No one should think like this because the bo- bottoms take months, right? And and you'll never get the bottom, so don't worry about the bottom. Just buy a good property, right? But um, but it is it is busy out there. It is busy out there. Yeah. 
that's what I'm hearing as well. And looking at some of the results, um, you know, for houses auctions, you know, it's very easy for the for the final outcome to be I don't know two hundred three hundred k above the actual mm. price guide, right? Um, and and you know, like in that instance, it just shows the amount of competition uh, that's out there at the moment. And I think the main contribution is still the lack of supply or a lack of good quality properties, houses in particular, that's available for people to buy um, in comparison to units. But look, that raises an interesting point, John, because we, we also spoke about this. So the core logic data for last month clearly showed that the Sydney is on the upward trend at the moment. It's turning. I mean, it's we're talking about maybe less than 1% a month, you know, so it's very, very little, but um, it is turning. And... Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we will try to explore a little bit in terms of why that was the case, because March, the trend happened before the March rate decision or the April rate decision was made. So April, RBA decided to hold the rates, uh, whereas in March, the core logic data has already started to rebound for Sydney, that is. So mm-hmm. it's as if the market has already kind of, I'll say, generally speaking, the market um, or people have already foresee that hey, we are pretty much at the bottom and disregard whether RBA is going to increase or pause in April, um, Sydney is starting to turn around and showing a positive figure. Why Mm. do you think that was the case? Like, I can certainly tell from finance perspective, we're not, we have not released, uh, relaxed anything. Like, Mm -hmm. the the lending standards have not eased at all, okay? Like, the APRA still put in the 3% buffer still in place. The interest rates certainly have not dropped, despite the fact that some lenders are starting to reduce a little bit on their um, variable rates. And we're talking about 10 bips or 0.1%, you know, very little differences. So people's borrowing capacity are not increasing last month or this month at the moment, at least no significant changes. So what could have attributed to the rebound of Sydney property market at the moment. Do you mm. think? So I'd actually refer listeners to the, the YouTube video we, that you and I did about four weeks ago, which has charts and pictures and it explains all of this, uh, which is where we explain two things while we do the, is Sydney real estate expensive? And we do the gold ratio to Sydney real estate. So we, instead yep. of measuring real estate in dollars, we measure it in gold, and then we measure each capital city against each other. So we, so, and the reason that's important is why Sydney real estate bounces is two reasons. One is it was never as overvalued as people thought back in 2021 anyway. Mm. This is one of the key messages that you and I have been saying for since 2021. It's like, we're overvalued, but this is not the bubble that everyone thinks it is. It just moved very quickly but that doesn't mean it's this big bloated bubble like in 2004 after the Sydney Olympics. That was a big bubble that took a decade to, to wash off. So the first reason is we're never as overvalued as everyone thought. The, 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 the second reason is that after the correction, um, sometimes things just get cheap enough uh, and it became real estate, particularly in Sydney, became cheap compared to everything else. Mm -hmm. And the way you know that is that during an inflation where the price of everything is going up, if something is falling while everything else is rising, that that asset or that 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 good that is falling becomes very cheap very quickly relative to other goods and services in the economy. And that's what happened last year. So in 2022 when everything else went up by eight or nine percent, and that's what they say that the, the, inflation. the inflation rate is, real estate went down by 14 percent. So real estate became 23 percent 
cheaper in one year in re- in relative terms. Mm, relative terms. But anyway, so that that's a crash. That is that is so real estate didn't really just fall fourteen percent last year. The the dollar fell by fifteen percent. Um, we had inflation of eight percent. So real estate fell by let's say twenty four percent or thirty percent last year mm. in real terms, and that's a massive correction. So the reason why everyone's jumping into the real estate market now is because it fell very very quickly and materially quickly. And so don't think about real estate in nominal terms. That's 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 Zimbabwe thinking. Um, think in terms of real real terms. Uh, real estate corrected extremely, extremely quickly from, from a base that wasn't as overvalued as everyone thought it was. Again, look at that gold to real estate ratio in that last video, and it makes it, it, makes it very clear as to why we're bouncing off a bottom now. Mm. Now, that's a really good point. So what you're effectively saying is because of the fact that everything else is going up due to inflation, but at the same time, the property values are decreasing. So that accelerated the actual, I guess, when you look at the value of property in that sense, from a relative term, yep. that that shortened basically how affordable it is, or now it's starting to look a lot more affordable from mm. the property value perspective isn't 100%, 100%. Yeah. and percent, hundred and the way to think about this in a more tangible sense other than this sort of real nominal is rents are going up by 10 percent real mm. estate's falling by 10 percent so suddenly the gap between buying and selling has closed by 20 percent uh in a year yep. in one year or in less than a year like in 11 months it's so um so th- that that um relative price difference it just closed very quickly so if we didn't have rents going up and as quickly as they were and inflation going up as quickly as it went up and we just had a, a correction in the property uh, in the property market then th- then we wouldn't have corrected as quickly but if you have an inflation at the same time as a property market correction like rents going up and the same time as property prices coming down the whole uh, rebalancing just happened very quickly I guess maybe also just to give a, a, a dollar terms of if I understand is correct is that say for example milk a, a two liter milk was three dollars eighty or I should say twelve months ago it might be three bucks and now it's three dollars eighty whereas yeah. a unit in Sydney might be six hundred thousand dollars eight months and now it's five fifty thousand dollars so yeah. therefore the money keeps on losing value in that sense uh, because of the fact that the 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 inflation everything goes up but. Even though everything else is going up, but property prices are coming down, so therefore they go, oh, actually that's a bargain because a dollar ten months ago is not the same dollar as what we see today, essentially. Exactly, right? so, real estate yeah. got left out of the inflation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So it's catching up, and and the the economy is constantly like it's a, Benjamin Graham, the mentor of Warren Buffett, described. He said in the short term. Uh, markets are a pokies machine, he said. But in the long term, it's a weighing machine. So, it's, mm-hmm. so you know, when you make a decision about where you want to live, you're going to decide if it's a rent or buy decision, and you, you'll you'll be deciding between the relative price of renting versus buying. And eventually, there's a tipping point, and no policymaker knows that t- tipping point, but the market individually knows. So each individual knows uh, their own tipping point, and that's how that's why markets work. Yeah, I think I think that's definitely the case because I'm, you know, I, I've got a lot of renters who's very sick about landlords increasing and you know mm. looking at hundred dollars plus increases in rent. I know it's a it's a bit of a too hard basket because you know you're going to be paying a high mortgage if you do mm. buy your own home, or you're going to be kicked around by the landlords because of the fact they keep on bumping up the rent. Some of them getting so sick about it, they go, I'm going to buy the board and then actually buy our own place, even yeah. though the interest rate is high and we know the mortgage repayment is high as well. So 
that definitely backs up in terms of what you're saying. I had a client come in two weeks ago saying my um, my lease is ending in six weeks. I need to be in a property in six weeks. So six weeks is usually a settlement period. So That's right. It means I needed to find <laughs> and so on. we needed to find it in a week and then negotiate a shorter settlement term. And we did that. So we found a property in a week awesome. and they were over the moon. But but that is an example of. Um, I mentioned before, m- most of my clients right now are, are owner occupiers. Um, they didn't want to enter a new twelve month lease at what would have been higher prices. They wanted to, they, they figured they might as well buy because it's cheap enough. Yes. Yeah. So that that's that weighing machine in in play. Mm. John, I know you also dealt with some foreign investors or foreign customers in the past as well. Like, you know, let's say, for example, expats who's got a lot of cash. Um, Do you reckon, I guess, having foreign investors coming back into scooping up maybe the high end of the property markets? Because I'm hearing, I think it's like last, definitely during our last few conversations, you're seeing the high end of the city market is rebounding and it's rebounding fast. I'm Mm. assuming it's that because of that foreign market or foreign investors uh, play. At that point, so yeah. Any comments on that? So right now, I don't have any foreign buyers, and okay. I have no uh, no ex- very recent experience with foreign buyers. Um, as in, right now, I, I'm not working with any. So I sure. But I read what everyone else reads, and I'm and I and I see people at auctions, and I uh, you know, and so on. And I'm t- and I what I'm reading is that the Chinese buyers are back in a big way, mm. and Sydney is fast becoming their favorite city. And I know that this is Sydney Morning Herald speaking, so I don't I don't know if it's true. <laughs> it's like, uh, but but um, but I've read I've read this as well. It makes sense. I wrote an article um, at the be- beginning of twenty twenty two saying that the dollar's going to the the Aussie dollar is going to go below seventy cents, and when that happens, it's going to be a, a trigger for um, foreign buyers to come in. Mm, mm. It's, it, it happened maybe a little bit later than I thought it would, but what. It's de- it's definitely happening, and and the f- so the first sign, the reason the premium side of the market's coming back first, although let's face it, all of the market is coming back at the moment. But the reason the premium market came back first is because I think a lot of foreign mo- uh, money was driving that. So de- de- definitely, yeah. anecdotally, it's it's definitely happening. But it kind of makes sense given where the the Aussie dollar is as well. Yeah, so that was leading the market recovery a few mm-hmm. months or even weeks back, right? From memory, yeah. so yeah, and now and now it's the. It's probably the local demand that's now driving the other the other markets, the rest of the markets as well. So, um, yeah. yeah, and to support that as well, you know, I've got some interesting data uh, in, in in regards to the days on market uh, in the last in February and March. Um, so Sydney market, um, the days on market dropped from forty five days to thirty nine days. So mm. that's on average six days reduction. Melbourne market dropped from thirty seven days to thirty four days. So even lower now. Uh, we've got the Brisbane market pretty much the same from 35 to 34 days. So Brisbane market roughly around the same. Um, Perth, 27 to 23 days. So definitely a reduction there as well. Like 23 days, you'll be like, that's mm. absolutely red hot there when you look at that, you know. Um, and Hobart, 45 to 42 days. So these capital cities out of, you know, like five capital cities are actually seeing a reduction um, in terms of the uh, the days on market, which shows the buy activities are starting to research again, um, isn't it? Yeah, I'm surprised to see. See, I view Hobart as the most overvalued capital right now, mm. and I'm surprised to see that it's still got some gas in the tank, and it's it's you know the the days on market is going down. But it, yeah, look, it 
it's interesting that you you we d- discussed this before we press play and um and it's about the trend so it's definitely showing that most capitals are starting to go up but what i would i would also say that look it's not a feeding frenzy out there at the moment so i don't want to overstate how hot this market is it's the market the market's going up it's rising it's kind of finding its base or it's found its base and it's definitely going up but it's not a feeding frenzy we're, it's not 2021 it, we're nowhere near that level um, but it is a rising market. I, I'm just I'm satisfied to say that. I'd also say, as I said before, units aren't participating in this particular boom. Um, although they, I suppose, they are in terms of rentals. But mm. um, so it's not it's not a broad based feeding frenzy by any stretch of the imagination. We're still ten percent off where we were a year ago. It's good buying out there. I look. I I do think that's the case as well. Although, yeah, you'll be struggling, and um, you know, I I recently went to some open inspections myself for the Upper mm-hmm. North Shore around the Hornsby area. I was primarily looking at the units. I wasn't looking at houses, mm-hmm. um, but I can certainly see, you know, within the markets around the six hundred to eight hundred k type of unit range, um, there isn't that many. Okay, so that's let me put it this way: uh, the good quality, uh, probably on market value type of properties you get a lot of foot traffic. So, you know, you'll be seeing something like a six to 10 groups and then the agent will be so busy answering all the questions. Like literally it's not, it's crazy. Mm. And then on the other side, uh, you know, where it's probably less attractive or, you know, uh, stock that's on the market for a while, for a few weeks, you're going to be seeing um, maybe just a couple groups through and then, you know, whisper quiet in a sense. So, mm. um, so yeah, it's, it's, it is interesting. I mean, units, this is not a full representation of the whole, um, of the whole market, of course, but um, and it's a very little snapshot. Um, but I do feel, I mean, John, and this is my personal opinion. I, even though you said units are not participating, I actually feel like they are Getting slowly, slowly. I mean, because we're not seeing houses are a complete different beast. We talk about during auction, they might go 200, 300 above the price guide. Now, mm. there could be a reason because the sales agent lowered the the actual price guy a little bit in order to attract more uh, bidders that's one tactic or there's just so much demand for houses right so you never know but for but for units you know i can clearly see this 12 months ago might have only you know scored uh, 650k now the vendors are asking 675 towards 700k as well so it's creeping up a little bit in terms of the Mm. asking price now whether it will get that price or not is a different story and it depends on the quality of the property as you said that's why having a good having a good asset selection here is absolutely paramount um but across the board i'd say they are edging up as well i mean mm. they're not going up yeah, significantly but they are edging up as well mm. uh, and i suppose that could be because of the demand uh in general just most people can't afford to borrow over one mil or that kind of stuff so you know that market is complete different player whereas we're looking at say for example the 600 to 1 mil type of market that uh, a lot of people are checking are looking uh, but it's not as active and they don't have let's say maybe not as much bullet in order to be able to fire Mm. so um, so they can edge up a little bit but it's not going up as crazy as the as the other markets are yeah so i'm seeing like i'm seeing that foot i bought a unit this week and i uh for a client and uh, i'm seeing the foot traffic as well but i'm not seeing them pulling the trigger so i'm seeing a lot of like parents with a kid like mother daughters and mother sons and and those combos but they don't seem to be making offers um quite quite as but but yes there's there's a lot of people that are turning up so that'll convert that they'll convert to buyers just over time, I guess, yeah, over time, and they're checking out markets more. So, hmm. 
Interesting. Okay. All right. Um, while we talk on property as well uh, and rents, that which we touched on, there was actually one important piece of news in regards to rental. Um, mm. Queensland this week has actually updated their rental legislation um, to reflect only, well, the, the most critical part is to reflect only one rent increase within 12 months. Uh, this funny story, I was just chatting to my Queensland property manager uh, earlier this week as well. And um, um, because I was about to renew my lease and I was thinking, should I just keep it at six months? And then because in six months time, I'm sure the rent would have been different again mm. due to the market demand. So should I keep it at six months lease? Um, and then I will renew and potentially increase the rent again in six months time. And she responded, if you answer me, if you if you asked me this question before Wednesday, I would have said yes. But now it's not a Wednesday and it's passed and the legislation is now in place. I would say no. <laughs> so it just shows how 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 different in terms of having a, yeah. a update stamp there. But um, yeah, I guess the key message there is, uh, I guess for Queensland landlords, um, be careful about when you are increasing the rent because now you can only do it once every twelve months. Um, that will set in place from first of July twenty twenty three is my understanding. Okay, mm. but that triggers an interesting question, John, because this is now set in place for Queensland. I wonder what the rest of the states will do. And we so and, and you know I think this has been an ongoing debate uh, as well because people you know the renters are complaining, landlords greedy landlords you shouldn't be increasing this much. But at the same time you know we've got mortgages and interest rates going up a lot higher, a lot faster than the actual rents that's been going up. So as landlords you know we're seeing our mortgage repayments are increasing a lot faster than 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 uh, than the rents going up too. Um, but at some point in time, or I don't know whether other states are looking at considering that as well to say there needs to be a cap of some sort to the rent and whether that's capping the rent increase to once per year or a limit in terms of how much you can increase it by um, potentially. What's your view on this, John? What do you reckon? Uh, so I I think that this stems from a basic economic illiteracy about what inflation is and mm. why prices go up. Uh, so I generally, I don't like uh, any interference in prices. Uh, I think let prices be determined in the market. Um, and I'll tell you the, the alternative. I'll tell you the alter alternative in a moment. But prices get set through a, a negotiation, and then once they're set, then you can lock them in via a contract. So we're a country with a rule of law. So you can mm -hmm. set them, lock them in for twelve months with a contract, and then yep. they don't move after that. But but. Markets need to discover what the prices are. Now, prices, uh, rents don't go up due to greedy landlords. Landlords respond to inflation created by the central bank. So they respond to inflation created by the government's running deficits and monetizing it by the RBA. Now, we have an inflation problem at the moment because we locked down and printed money. And so we have to pay for that through inflation. Now, landlords respond to all that printed money like people who run movie theatres and mm. people who run grocery stores. Everyone's responding to inflation, not creating inflation. There's a there's a famous Milton Friedman clip when he gets asked in this Q&A session, in, um, he said, do, do, do someone asked him, a student asked him uh, in this free-to-choose series uh, about greedy unions and he said do unions create inflation he said no you, unions don't create inflation 
Landlords don't create inflation. Inflation is created by whoever's creating currency. It's always created by the central bank. So he said unions don't create it. And, and in the same way, landlords don't create it. So there's only the RBA to blame and the federal government for creating currency and creating inflation. That's always true. So it's not like true when one side of government's in, not true when the other side. It's always true that inflation comes from your central bank. Um, so what happens if we don't allow landlords to put the rent up? Then you get what the shortages. So the reason why there are famines in socialist countries and not famines in countries that don't have price controls is, is because if you allow prices to go up, you will produce more of that thing. Prices going up means that there's a signal in the economy that we are running out of that thing that where the price just went up. Correct. So if we allow rents to go up, that's signaling to the market we're running out of rental accommodation, quick produce rental accommodation. And if the price doesn't go up, uh, then there's no economic incentive to have more rental accommodation come onto the market. So you need you need a signal to make it attractive for rental accommodation come on come mm. onto the market, and that will push rents down. So the best thing that these governments could do is let rents go up, so that that will bring new rental accommodation onto the market and solve the problem by itself. Uh, and that's because landlords are only re reacting to. Uh, Inflation, so it drives me a bit nuts. It drives me a bit nuts. This idiocy that we, uh, th this idiocy that we have to tolerate. That these people who don't understand anything and they're in charge of the levers of, of policy. But look, th these these people have been this stupid since the nineteen seventies when Milton Friedman was asked that question. So, uh, anyway, that that's a bit of a rant from me. What what do you think? I mean, uh, what do you think about rent controls and not allowing rents to go up more than once in a twelve month period? I think if you don't want rent to go up more than once in a 12-month period, have a 12-month lease. There's a reason why politicians are politicians and they're not yes. economists, I guess. Let's just put it that way, to sum it up. Um, and they and 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 they want to make sure that the um that the tenants are felt being looked after to a certain mm -hmm. degree. So this is uh, obviously Anastasia Palaszczuk in Queensland State Premier is trying to protect what she thinks and potentially the Queensland government to protect what they think should be doing right for the tenant uh, in this scenario. Um, but like you said, I do agree. I think the, the the main fundamental issue here is not about capping rental whatsoever. It's about being able to provide more affordable rental properties. Um, you know, when you have more supply, then of course the demand will be met and therefore the rent would then start to be easing or the rental pressure would start to ease. That's, we don't have a solution. I think we touched on this for a number of times. You know, at the moment, there's, there's a rental crisis across the nation. We're not building more. We're not producing more of what people need. So therefore, yes, just by demand and supply theory, that's why rents keep going up. But by capping the rent there to once a year is not a solution. Personally, in my opinion, it's not really a solution at all. Um, it's just a politician decision to be able to make the Queensland tenants felt a bit better to say, ha I can, you know, you can have landlords, you can only do one increase every year now. So, but guess what? Um, landlords can affect that in as well. So there might be a $150 jump instead of a $100 jump across the six months. So next time when you see that potentially lease or how much they're being asked for, it's, you know, it might be a harder pillow to swallow as well. So it's, mm -hmm. to me, it's like a double-edged sword, um, to be honest. Um, whether I agree with this or not, I guess it's subjective, but um, we will see how 
every land obviously how landlords in general is gonna react to this um yeah so uh, i i just also want to touch on this uh, uh the, the vocabulary that we use i hear it everywhere and i'm guilty of using it myself but we talk about a rental crisis now firstly everything is a crisis in this day and age because we we, we oh, uh, my bad catastrophize everything i mean apparently the the world's ending and all that sort of stuff so i don't buy into this anything these the word crisis that we, we completely overuse it but when rents went down by 20% during COVID, 30% in some instances, I certainly took a haircut on all my rents, which was really tough at the time during COVID. No Absolutely. one called that a rental crisis. Um, and uh, it wasn't a crisis for the landlords who, uh, whose tenants didn't need to pay the rent. The rents were going down. The, they were, you know, the banks were calling in loans and all that sort of stuff. So this idea of it's a rental crisis now because it's affecting tenants and it wasn't a rental crisis before when it was affecting landlords is just just a Absurd. different perspective so mm. we we uh uh we uh, that's why i try not to use the word crisis but uh but it is it is the parlance at the moment um but if it's a rental crisis now then i think it was a rental crisis during covid when when landlords took a haircut so it never changed you and, and you're absolutely spot on you know i think it just depends on what perspectives and what people look at and focusing on at that point in time, yeah. that specific time frame. So, um, but yeah, uh, that's uh, just keeping in mind, keeping our listeners up to date in terms of what's happening. And you know, even though Queensland's the first one that implemented this, um, that could mean that could be impact, uh, in, implemented into other states potentially as well. So just keep in mind and get in touch with your property manager. Make sure you're kind of already doing your lease reviews as well if you haven't been because, you know, you might be surprisingly to find that um, the rents will be going up um, surprisingly to help you with covering your mortgage repayments. So uh, it is an important uh, important thing that the landlords should be carrying out. There's um, also the, in your, yeah. sorry, yeah, David, in, in, there's it. also that uh, anti kind of, uh, I don't know what it's called, but whether uh, landlords and their agents aren't allowed to um, do a bidding process on rents. Oh, so you're yes. not allowed to say, oh, you know, we got 620. Are you prepared to go to 640 or something like that? So that that's not allowed to happen. The workaround that we're seeing people do there, I, I think, I think this is what's happening is um because you can't negotiate the rent up, um landlords asking prices are very high now. So if they negotiate down, they're compliant, but if they neg negotiate up, they're mm -hmm. in breach of the law. So one of the reasons we're seeing a big jump in rental prices is big it's a it's a way of getting around this uh anti-bidding law so the rents are starting very high and yep. that's that's uh i think a unintended consequence of the of that uh of that law start high and work downward so we're not being in trouble basically exactly, exactly. isn't it so yeah yeah okay all right um and i'm glad you touched on inflation and central banks a little bit because uh you know i guess uh this week or the hottest news in the last couple of days mm. is rba has been reviewed uh or the review report has been going on for a couple of months and the outcome uh of the report has been delivered to uh our treasurer dr jim chalmers um so they have proposed a um an interesting change, I have to say, following on US uh, and other, I think, um, Western Western cultures uh, or Western central banks, they now want to actually split the operations part of the RBA different to a, a, a separate committee just purely determining interest rates. That's my understanding, right? That's the key uh, changes that, that we're seeing, essentially. So 
right now, and correct me if I'm wrong, John, um, I'm no economist whatsoever. So just a very layman's term understanding is uh, uh, the RBA board members now controls everything. So they set the interest rate, they, they obviously review everything. Yeah. Um, and they also review, they determine the interest rate based on a number of factors. And they also set how the operation is going to work uh, moving forward, you know, in, in that sense. But um, maybe is an unintended consequence to say um, our current governor isn't doing a fantastic job. Um, that's why the recommendation is to say, well, look, you know, that's split out that function um, in order to be able to have, I don't know, a a, a more specific, uh, you know, economist, having a couple of economists on board that mm. understand how things really work um, in order to be able to set that monetary policy moving forward. Mm. What's your take on that, John? Uh, Do you think it's going to work well for Australia to following on from other central It's banks? being celebrated, but it, it what what I think is this idea of having, uh, so broadly speaking, a bit of a breakaway uh, committee of, I think, eight people uh, meeting eight times a year rather than 11 times a year, including the ACTU and other economic experts. Uh, for the people listening there, I use the air quotes, economic experts. Um and and then they have a press conference. Okay, I don't yeah. like. I don't like. I think it it's hyper centralization of monetary policy. I think it it makes monetary policy even more ex- elite. Um, and I as I said before, I don't think prices get set behind closed doors. Prices get set in the market. I mean, we, we shouldn't have an RBA setting interest rates at all. And now we're doubling down on this. Mm. The market should set it set it based on the the scarcity and availability of credit. This is how it used to work until the era of central banking when we have all these all this volatility in the market. So I don't like it. I don't like that we're doing interest rate adjustments eight times a year. So in a free market, prices are set every millisecond. Prices are set every time someone buys something and negotiates a price. And now we're, we're moving to eight times a year for interest rates. Interest rates are the most important price in the economy. And we're doing that eight times a year. So when something goes wrong, what do we we have to wait three months until they'll adjust the interest rate? This is not how prices get set. So I think it's terrible. The only thing I I do like that the unions are involved in the process. Why not? Um, and the reason I use air quotes for economic experts is, you know, these these guys aren't experts. The the Soviet Union had economic experts, but they didn't have markets. Markets markets are the economic experts. All of us are economic experts about our own personal lives. I don't want these policymakers. I don't think they know what they're doing. Um, and they're all kind of Keynesians. They all love their aggregate demand and aggregates. Mm. So too much aggregation. Um, I don't like it. Uh, one thing I do like is I like that there's a press conference afterwards. Uh, I think that's going to be great. You know, we, we they can justify their, uh, justify their decisions. They get like grilled, that. in other like words, it. after their decisions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want them to be above the above the fray. So I'm pleased that there will be a, a, a you know, they'll need to justify their decision. So I think that's that's good. What what would it, what do you think? And there will be more a bit, a bit more transparency across mm. um, as well, right? Because they're whether they what their decision is is going to get published afterwards as well. So right now it's like. Everyone just sits behind the closed doors and then, you know, they do whatever they need. And then yeah, all of a sudden terrible. they pump out to say, yes, it's another 25 basis point. <laughs> well, can you explain why? Well, no, that's not part of the mandate. So I don't need yeah. to explain. I don't need to justify why. We haven't hit inflation target yet. And here's how we're going to do it. Just by keep on increasing interest rates. Mm. 
That's essentially yeah, they come down from Mount Olympus and tell us what the price of credit is this month. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah, so I think it's Amen. definitely changing for better from a certain perspective. I mean, I yeah, I um I can't really comment on your your views <laughs> on that because uh, you you've got a lot more economic depth from it. But if I look at it from a pure layman perspective, to go okay, well, you know, fair enough. I I, I suppose, like I said, you know the the uh, RBA governor in this case probably haven't done as a good job that you should have done. And this is, they, you know, the government need to kind of push someone into blame, uh, inverted commas, blaming position. So you go, well, we're going to try to set up a separate board so that way this area can be done better. Now, whether whether the outcome of that is really going to be better or not, like you said, I actually don't think uh, the RBA's... Um, to a degree, they don't have full control in terms of how much they can do this because to a certain degree, we have to follow US's path as well. If yes. US become increasing, we can't just go, we stop. And, you know, because yeah, otherwise the, the currency is just going to go crazy, right? So so to a, to a larger extent, uh, this, is, this is probably more of an act to actually help that transparency piece and that communication piece because moving forward, um, the governor, whether that's still going to be Philip Lowe or not after September, every time when the decision is being made, he's going to have to front press conference. He's going to have to be a really good communicator in terms of explaining why the board made that decision. And then afterwards, all that decision is going to be made publicly available for everyone to be able to see which board member voted up, down, or stay the same or paused, right? So it's proving to be a lot more transparent like uh, in that process, which I really like, like you mentioned. I really like. Um, now, reducing from 11 to 8, meetings i don't know i can't comment on that because the, the other central banks are doing it but i think dr lowe's comments is like if other central banks are be able to do this then i'm sure australia should be able to cope or manage as well moving forward mm -hmm. so that's his personal opinion uh in that sense but um yeah i guess it's interesting uh we will see now now at this stage in time it's a proposal it hasn't been you still need to be endorsed and fully go through parliament to be able to be legislated and these improvements then being implemented. But so far from what we're hearing is it's mostly endorsed um, and it just needs to go through that official process. Um, and it's mostly supported by the RBA's board, including Dr. Philip Lowe as well. Um, so yeah, we'll see what uh, what comes out of it then. Mm. No, you're right. And, and, and Dr. Lowe's under enormous pressure for his comments about rates not going up until 2024. And, in fairness, I mean, they, raising interest rates was the right thing to do. So I, I, I don't certainly don't begrudge him. Obviously, the messaging was wrong around right. that. But one thing that, um, the, one thing that is kind of true of Australian monetary policy is that while there is a reserve currency, uh, we do need to take, follow the lead of the U.S. Uh, Federal Reserve. And if the the Fed if the Fed is lifting rates, we will need to lift rates. And that will be the case until the US dollar isn't the global reserve currency. But while it is, that's what we're going to need to do. And the, the mistake that Dr. Lowe made was um, uh, sort of suggesting that Australian monetary policy was was completely independent of, of global currency markets mm. and that uh, the Fed could go and raise interest rates in the US and we wouldn't need to respond. So that was that was silly. That was always not going to be correct. But um, but but yeah. Yeah, I think the main thing is, yeah, the main thing that stems out of this is that communication piece, which, you know, you came out, like you said, um, I'm not going to raise rates until 2024. A lot of people bought into that. As a matter of fact, you know, when they look into the data that they published, I think back in early, uh, late 2021, 
it's already the GDP growth is already shooting up very strongly, which means the economy is doing really well. Mm. At that point in time, the board members, the RBA board members should have came out or at least someone should have told or stepped up to told Dr. Lowe to say, hey, tap on shoulder, you should now probably readjust that expectation rather than still keeping the same message to the Australians because circumstances have changed. We are no longer in a uh, um, pandemic kind of mode. You know, people are recovering and they're recovering fast, which means inflations are going up fast. So we will have to raise rates quicker. And if at that point in time, someone has came out, not necessarily Dr. Lowe, but it would be great if he's done it, um, to say, look, I made that comment last year. However, things circumstances have changed and we now need to start preparing Australians with the increase of rates in the upcoming months, that will set the correct expectation in terms of the communication because of X, Y, Z. I think that will land a better piece for everyone. Um, but having said that, you know this is probably a positive outcome for Australians given there's going to be more transparency, better communication from the central banks or RBA uh, moving forward. So why not? Let's see how it goes. Cool. All right. Anything else, John? You want to cover? No, no, uh, all good. Uh, just w- watching this property market uh, grow and, and stabilize, which is which is nice. Mm, that's good. Yeah. All right. Well, listeners, thank you guys for joining us again for another episode. Uh, we've ranted a lot this episode <laughs> for some reason, John, <laughs> but we like to keep it conversational <laughs> to a degree. Um, so thank you for joining us. And, uh, you know, as always, None of this is financial advice. Um, you know, if you are looking at making a decision, please seek your specific advice for accountants, uh, lawyers, mortgage brokers, advice uh, agent, whoever that you work with, with your team. Um, but until then, we will see you guys again in another fortnight. Cheers, John and David.